Hello and welcome back to Reading Radio. I'm Laura. And I'm Jason. This month's book is The Secret Garden by Frances Hodgkin Burnett. Hodgson Burnett. Ah, that was close. <laughs> You're really bad with the author's name. For somebody who wants to be an author, you'd think you'd remember author's <laughs> names a little bit better. This is a strange recording because we recorded December's episode before we we're just recording this one, which will be November's episode. So things are a little bit mixed up. But you got some great news today, right? Oh, yes. I am going to get to be a SIT, um, which stands for Staff and Training at Camp Pubern this summer, the family camp we spend our summer at. Yes, there you go. Four weeks you're going to leave me. Good thing we take the summer off for this podcast, otherwise there's no way we get anything <laughs> recorded. We'd have to have one up and ready. Yeah. Um, what else are you doing? What else is going on? I have cross country. Um, my last meet is this Saturday, but is going to be over by the time this is released. Yeah, and then you'll have some time to relax and rest your body. So... Um, for those of you who will be listening next month for Keeper of the Lost Cities, we're still plowing through that thing as a family. Well, Alora's read them all, but the rest of us are plowing through those books. They've been really good. So if you haven't already, go get Keeper of the Lost Cities so you can be ready for our December release. It's, it's an awesome book. Apparently, because I got you all to read it. Yes, which doesn't normally happen. We don't no. all usually agree on a book. If you do, you normally read just the first one, unless it's Harry Potter. Yeah, but this one grabbed me. So I like the way that, never mind, we don't have to talk about that book. I will also say that we've all kind of thought about and toyed with the idea of doing NaNoWriMo. So by the time, for those who don't know, that's National Novel Writing Month. It's every November. And it uh, looks like we may think about it as a family. I haven't put much more thought into it at all. I think it's a neat idea, but I don't know that I can dedicate the time to do it. Maybe I should. Maybe I should make that the one thing we're going to do in November. I just get rid of TV during the week and sit down with our computers and write. Uh, that sounds hard. <laughs> All right. Mom can read Cooper because I don't think she's interested. That's probably true. Let's talk about this book. You want to give us a high-level summary or do you want me to? You can get the high-level I guess you did, you did the one for Keepers. No, Zoe did. You got out of that, so. I've done a ton. All right, so Seek, uh, Secret Garden is a classic book, again, by Frances Hodgson Burnett. Not exactly one that rolls off the tongue. A <laughs> um, little bit of a fantasy story, but also one of the, I don't know what they call it, genre fiction, I guess, where it's really just the life of the characters in a different time. No big antagonists, no mystery to solve, no nothing like that. It's very similar to the Penderwicks. Yeah, very character-driven story in that way uh, about a little girl named Mary whose early on family dies. They lived in India, but they're British, and she's forced to go live with an uncle who does not know how to deal with children. No. And adventures ensue. Because there is there's adventure, it's just character-driven, not mystery or plot or antagonist yeah. yeah no nothing like that that drives it i knew nothing about this book it's been on our shelves for 30 years <laughs> because your mom brought it into our marriage i had no idea never read it before never even really heard of it that i remember so did you i've heard of it because like i know there's the movie coming out but i've never really read it okay well um from or knew a- much about it from an age rating perspective what would you say there is no questionable content at all, but some of the language is hard because it's um, older English style. Yeah, more archaic. So maybe nine or ten. Like again, read aloud would be six or seven, because mm-hmm. then you can ask the questions. But it depends on the level. But I'd say nine or ten would be a good average spot. Here's one of the best things about this book. Uh, I realized this month when I renewed my Audible subscription, they've got this whole thing now where you. 
basically like Netflix. They've got books that are always available that you don't have to use your credits for. And The Secret Garden was one of them. In fact, they had like three or four versions of The Secret <laughs> Garden. So if you're not already an Audible subscriber, you can go to reading-radio.com slash audible. It'll get you a free book, free credit, but you can also listen to not only Secret Garden, but I've also found Alice in Wonderland and a few Wizard of Oz, a few other classics that are available all the time as a part of your membership, which they didn't used to have. It's really a good way to, to read some of those classic books. And I'm an audio guy, so if you're, if you're a youngster and you don't want to deal with the archaic language, I think listening to it makes it easier. It can probably push the age of this book down to an eight-ish. Yeah, totally. So that's your age? Yeah. Nine or ten, you're right, if you're reading it yourself, but uh, the audiobook definitely makes it an eight, I think. What about reading? I'm going to go three and a half. Again, I really like these genre, simple genre, character-driven stories. I didn't read a lot of them as a kid. There was always an event or a mystery mm-hmm. or a MacGuffin that needed to be conquered, found, or challenged, or solved. And so these books are much more relaxing, and I just enjoy them. So I gave it a three. I give it a solid three and a half. I agree with three and a half. Because it's a very simple book. Like, there's no big bad guy. Nothing leaves you wondering. And it's, like, almost a break from everything else, especially going on now with COVID. Just, like, simple. Yeah. Although, somewhat spoiler alert, the parents do die of a disease early on, so it wasn't really a good pandemic read. All right. Well, with that, I think we can head right into the spoiler zone. So Absolutely. If you, if you haven't read this book, if you don't want to be spoiled, stop listening to this. Go get the book, read it, come back, and finish listening, because we're going to talk in a little more detail about this and just forget about spoiling anything. You've been warned. So Mary is a brat. <laughs> she is. She is. But when I don't know that I blame her. I blame her parents. Uh, yeah. As I do with most brats. Any <laughs> child who is turned into an idol eventually becomes a demon. Is a good little cliche that I learned a long time ago. Which is why I never tried to spoil you girls. It reminds me very similar like Dudley. Yeah, absolutely. Because they have like the same gimme, gimme, gimme. And if yes. I don't, it's your fault. I'm going to get you in trouble. Well, you think about it. She was a, she was a girl growing up <clears throat> with servants mm-hmm. where they just did whatever she said. They couldn't tell her no. They couldn't do any form of correction. It was, so she was literally the queen of her world while her parents you know, lived in India. And she was completely ignored by them, which is tragic. But she never learned the proper social, like how to deal with people, how to deal with a social structure. So she was thrown right into that. Yeah. And then Martha just tells her no. And it's probably the first time she's heard that because no one could tell her no before. Right. In fact, she makes a point to that to Martha that they just salam and bow and do whatever she says. Mm-hmm. And it makes it interesting then when she finds Colin and he's, like, they're parallel. She's just further along getting better with people. <laughs> the fact that she tells him that he's unlikable, I forget what phrase she used early <laughs> on, like, But I find that the people who get under my skin the most are the people who are most like me 10 years ago. Yeah. Because I can see the character flaws that I've recognized and have worked on in myself. I see it in them, and it's almost embarrassing to go, oh my gosh, I used to act like that. That's so true. So you've started to notice that as well? Who are the people that... No, never mind. (laughs) (laughs) You don't need to know that. So Mental Floss had an interesting little article on this. I can link in the show notes. Just eight little facts about this. Apparently, the secret garden was based on a real garden. She rented an estate, Maytham Hall in Kent, that had become so overrun with ivy that she couldn't figure out how to get into one of the walled gardens until a robin landed on it 
And like she looked there and found the door. That's so cool. And so the robin and this and the door and that kind of kicked off the idea of the secret garden in her head. Which I thought was a pretty cool idea. The book also there seemed like no credit when she was alive. It wasn't mentioned in her obituary. They're just like, oh, there's that one. We don't talk about that one. Yeah, they didn't even talk about it. It wasn't until I think the 70s or 60s where children's literature became something that was studied as its own thing. Mm -hmm. uh, even though this was originally published for adults. It was published in an adult magazine, uh, which I don't mind. I enjoyed it as an adult. And I assume people had different tastes back then, but it was something that was at least tolerable to read. I think good children's books need to be able to be enjoyed by both kids and adults. And C.S. Lewis agrees. A children's story that can only be enjoyed by children is not a very good children's story, was one of his quotes. So there's our obligatory ding C.S. Lewis quotes if you're playing reading radio bingo. We should make one of those. Yeah, what would it be? How many times we reference C.S. Lewis? How many times you forget an author's name? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a lot of fun. I talk too much. There'd be like something on there for, yeah, we'd be fun. So the book starts out with her getting sent to live with her uncle. Mm -hmm. And then Martha's just like, uh-uh, go find your own, do your own thing. And she's like, there's no toys or anything then. <laughs> I love the fact that she stood still, like, waiting to be dressed. She didn't even dress herself. Martha's like, you don't dress yourself. At least they, I guess, of course, mine had an accent. <laughs> yes. the audio. She did a great job. She's like, you don't even dress yourself. No, that's ridiculous. Of course you're going to dress yourself. And so he, like, has to teach her how to be somewhat of an independent girl. It's, and she's like seven or eight now. Probably older than that. Yeah. And she doesn't know how to dress herself. I mean, I get clothes are much more complicated then, and you probably needed a second pair of hands to help with all the buttons. Sure. But still, you should at least be able to put it on. No. They, ladies did not, ladies of means did not dress themselves. At least not in India. Under, when they were colonialists taking over India, they had servants to do all that. What? Yeah. So the fact they sent her off on her own. Uh, it was interesting that Martha had a soft spot for her. She recognized mm -hmm. she was annoying, but she actually, they recognized it wasn't her fault. Um, they kept saying, you know, she wouldn't be so ugly if, you know, basically, like, her mom was beautiful. What happened to her? But it was her personality yeah. that, made her, that made her uglier. And the fact she didn't know how to take care of herself. And then she comes back with the skipping rope from the mother, her mom, mm -hmm. and gives it to her and, like, there, do this. And then she falls in love with doing, like, the outdoor activities. Yeah. Because she never, she'd never done it before. And the outdoors in India is ter is much different than the yeah. outdoors on the moor out, out in England. Was it Yorkshire? I think so. Yes. Yeah, Yorkshire. So, yeah, like I know anything about English geography. I know that that's the accent they talked about having. I don't know where that is. I'd love to see it someday. But today is not that day. But yeah, it was interesting to see the whole household. Like, they didn't have much choice. They had, wanted to keep their job, so they had to take care of things. But the first interaction with her uncle was interesting. Just kind of like, oh, that's you. Okay. Off with you now. Off with you now. Yeah. The, that was pretty much it. The nanny will take care of you. But we find out later that's what he's doing with his son. So it's not like she was being treated any differently. That, what do you think about that relationship? Her, him and Colin? That's such a sad relationship. But like, you, your mother died in childbirth, so now you can go find someone else to take care of you. Well, every time he, it's almost the opposite of Severus Snape. Every time he looked in his eyes, he saw her and was heartbroken all over again. Yeah. And then the fact that he might have a deformity, that he's, and he's going to die. Like, they, they just kind of, oh, he's going to die. I'll just ignore him and let him die and then move on. But Colin was fine. But the, he, they, like, never let him be fine. 
Right. They convinced him that he wasn't. And again, gave him everything he ever wanted, spoiled the crap out of him so that he was this little demon child until Mary came along. And she's just like, ha ha, no. I thought that was going to be a ghost story. Like she kept hearing the noises. I literally had no idea where the story was going. <laughs> and, the, uh, you know, 1860s was kind of a spiritualist, ghost, paranormal investigator type of time period. And so I thought maybe this was birthed out of that <laughs> until she finds Colin and you find out, oh, there's another kid in the house. Why would they let them see each other? And then they like, keep sneaking off. And then just like, I want her to see me and you can't tell me no. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, well, okay, you're quite different now. Let's let that happen. But I love that, um, oh my gosh, what is the gardener's name? I'm blanking. Ben Weatherstaff. Duh, yeah. I love the fact that he saw it and he, he became like the reluctant guardian of mm-hmm. the little cluster of folks. Okay, I know what's going on now. And he was, his relationship to, the, to Colin's mother was sweet. Like, they had a, they had something special, and that garden was something special. We find out that he had been going in and taking care of the garden by climbing over the wall. Because they can't find the key. Right. It's a weird coincidence, right? When they do find the key, he started to back up and jump all over. When yeah. they find the key, like, okay, this key just happens to be undone, and the robin is now going to fly right to the door. Okay, sounds good. It was like, it was part of the magic, I think, mm-hmm. of the garden. Which was really interesting. Like, that's what they named it as, like... Um, eventually she finds Dickon, and they become friends, and they discover the garden together. hmm And then they br- start bringing Colin out, and he's, like, better. He starts walking around and stuff on his own and th- until eventually he's running. It's that power of, of thought, and I think there's some influences of um, part of a religion called Christian science that she was, in, she was involved in or, or read about. It's really the power of positive thinking that can change your can change your life. Uh, some some folks that are heavy into it, like don't take medicines because there would be lack of faith in God kind of thing. It's my understanding. Could be completely wrong. Don't write me. Um, <laughs> but Colin's positive attitude about it, to some degree, I mean, I get it. He'd been treated one way all his life, left to be to think he's this thing, and as soon as he starts changing his mind and actually trying things and getting outside and getting fresh air, he turns into a normal kid and just starts stretching his legs figuratively and literally. Literally. And starts to grow and change because he stopped believing that he couldn't. It's like the little train that could. I think I can. I think I can. Yeah, except all along he'd been told he was crippled and he was going to have this hump on his back. And she looked at, you don't have a hump on your back. What do you mean I don't have a hump on my back? Your back's perfectly fine. Really? Like just that little knowledge of, oh, maybe I won't die tomorrow made him fine. Mm -hmm. Or at least gave him the opportunity to grow because he stopped seeing death. Uh, I heard a great quote the other day, and i see if I can get it right without looking. Your thoughts become your actions. No, your thoughts become your beliefs. Your beliefs become your actions. Your actions become your habits, and your habits become your character. Mm. And so he'd had this whole process happening of he's going to die at any moment. He's sick and miserable. Just let me wallow here. Don't let anyone look at me. And as soon as Mary came along and kind of put the kibosh on it, that thought process, it changed around to his whole his whole stream changed. The train was now going to positive things instead of negative things and moving pretty His well. His whole world changed. Yeah. I love that Dickens was just along for the ride. Like, okay. Like, yeah. I, love, I love his character, but he wasn't like he's, he wasn't pushing Colin. He wasn't telling Colin, no. He's like, okay, I'll push you. I'm just here to garden. <laughs> like, I love the garden. <laughs> I love the animals. This works. It's like, I'll be here. Whatever you need. Need me to go climb that tree? Sure. Why not? Right. It works out perfectly. He seemed to be like a very passive character. But yeah. yes, but no. I think he brought grounding to the other two. Because mm. they were both on that 
brat to normal mm-hmm. path. And Dickon was like, I'm the end goal. <laughs> yeah, I want you'll end up being nice and normal. I mean, he brought that. They're both spoiled brats. He's the oldest of 12 or something. Or something. Maybe not the oldest. But He's of, in there. Of 12 children. Yeah. He get, There's nothing special about Dickon. Other than the fact that everyone loves him. It's not like he gets spoiled. There's no spoiling to be had. They're a poor family with a lot of kids. But we'll come back to the. I love the end scene where he, uh, Mr. Weathers. Weathersby goes there. No, not Weathersby. Oh, it's. Craven, Mr. Craven, Archibald Craven. When he comes back and asks them for directions and they give it to him and he tosses them like a gold coin to split and they're so excited. But it's almost like for the first time his eyes are open to good. Because he goes to talk to Martha because she's the one that sent him the letter to get him back. Not Martha, Martha's mother. Martha's mother was the one that sent the letter. Yeah. It was really interesting that um they had this scene switch near the end that was like talking about Craven's terrible experience. Like he's in a place that would make anyone happy didn't work. Yeah. So it was interesting to see the um perspective difference. Yeah, when, and it's nice that that change like there's a moment where his wife talks to him and says in the garden mm-hmm. where his whole mindset changes. And there's there's a selective attention that our brain does where we can train it to notice certain things. This is why people do gratitude journals because when you do, you start to be more, you start to see things to be thankful for. When you buy a new car, you see that car everywhere, even though it was there before, you just never noticed it. Yeah. Well, it's suddenly like his eye, his brain had shifted to seeing positive things. The same as Colin. When Colin finally had his view changed, he's seeing positive things. And it's driving him towards positive actions. Now he's got goals and plans instead of just, I'll be dead in a month. Even if you think that's true, like, unless you're sure, why are we telling a kid he's going to die? That whole thing made no sense. Except I thought maybe there would be an um, an antagonist with the uncle, who was the doctor. Mm-hmm. Because if Colin died, then he gets the estate. He gets to be the lord and inherit the title and all that ah. stuff. But he seemed perfectly happy that Colin was okay, which I was glad about. I didn't really The want ending him. was beautiful. Ugh. You didn't cry. You're heartless. <laughs> that was I me. Mean, as a father, when Colin hits his arms, I'm glad I could. I wasn't reading a physical book. I wouldn't have made it. I had to just let the story take me through the audio, and I'm, I was almost home. I got to the, the. I remember like where I was exactly as things happened, and I did. We finish it audio. We finished it in the on the car on the way back from my meet. So I was exhausted. <laughs> and so I remember where we were, as we pulled in, like we're almost there. Let's just finish it off. So what what part got you? It was beautiful. The ending, just like, he he had this big elaborate plan for when his dad came home, but instead he just is running and he sees his dad and runs right towards him. No, he didn't see him. That's the thing. He ran right into him. <laughs> like, oh, oh, hi, dad. Like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> he almost didn't recognize him because this, this can't possibly be my son. Yeah. Yeah, it was so beautiful. And I loved um, Ben... He's like, I'm going to plant myself in the kitchen and watch. Because he, you know, having known everything. That's totally something people do now, except they have a camera instead of just, like, living the moment. Right. And so he's just sitting there with his beer. And uh, and then the staff just kind of gathers. Yeah. I'm like, what's he looking at? Why is he in here? And then No, they, what's her name? Shrieked. Because she, she saw Colin. She screamed. And then everyone came running down to see what was going on. I could just see Ben standing there going, uh-huh. I knew all along. <laughs> <laughs> like a meme of Kermit the Frog sipping tea. Like, whatever. I knew. Such a good, it was such a good ending. And it was, it was perfect, right? It, he shows him walk into the house, and then that's it. And we don't need a whole epilogue. 
we just kind of know it. We can know in our heart what's going on. We can imagine our own stories. But, you know, he probably grew up to be somewhat of an athlete and then did his lecture series on how positive thinking changed his life. Uh, he the founder of TED Talks. There you go. Oh, maybe it's L. Ron Hubbard. Anyway. What was that? He was a big, like, he wrote several books on that uh, kind of thing. He founded. TED Talks? Christian, no, Christians. Ugh, I forget. One of the one of the religions that Ted Cruz is a part of, and I'm blanking on it. This COVID has not been good for my brain. <laughs> I am blanking on so much stuff. So why do you think this book has, has stayed around and been popular? I think almost because of the simplicity of it. Pretty basic, down-to-earth, yet it still has the air of wonder to it. Why do you think it's been so popular? Uh, probably the same thing. It's interesting that it wasn't a popular book when she died, so I don't know why this one bubbled to the top later. But it may be just one of those things where we don't know. Something hit the right person at the right time, and it became popular. Like, why do songs take off over other songs? Or why does a band take off over other bands? Mm -hmm. Other than the fact that the industry makes them happen. Maybe somebody got the rights to this book and pushed it well. I don't know. But I think, I think people enjoy it because of that simplicity and because of the hope. Like, yeah. We always we want... Sometimes you just need happiness. There's never enough, like, of the dark, Colin's going to die, Mary's going to be a brat. There's always one person pushing it, so, like, there is light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. yeah. Now, the, to your point, the language is a little weird. I don't know why this got me. Because it doesn't age well, one, how she talks about the natives of India. Mm -hmm. Like, work, having now worked with a lot of Indian people in IT, like, she's really belligerent. And I'm, I'm sure that's just... A product of the age. Same know, with like Indian and the cover, the same yeah. sort of problem. But then when they would say um, she was proud of getting fat. That cracked me up I, every time. Right. Because it's just weird. We don't think of it that way. But if she was like this scrawny, sickly kid, like getting some meat on your bones makes you look a little healthier. You don't look like a skeleton. Mm -hmm. So anything else? Not that I can think of. All right. Well, if you haven't already, subscribe to this podcast. We would love to hit a you know, bigger number of subscribers here this season. However you do that, whether it's iTunes or Spotify, just subscribe so you can get our next uh, podcast. If you head over to reading-radio.com, you can find our Facebook group. That's where we ask what books we should be reading next. So for December, we're going to be doing Keeper of the Lost Cities by yep. Shannon Messenger. Yep. Not looking right at it. You got memory. It. And then we don't... Well, well, actually, sorry. I think of Mice and Men as our book for... January. Hesitantly. Hesitantly. So that's a pretty sure one. We can rip through it on a, on a road trip somewhere. Uh, but again, that's because that got voted to the top of our list in the Facebook group. So if you want to have an influence on what we read, especially new books, because it's a bunch of old people in, on Facebook and we know the classics, but we don't necessarily know the new ones, we'd love to hear from you. You can find all that information at reading-radio.com. Thank you for listening. Happy reading. Happy reading. Reading Radio is a podcast released under a Creative Commons 3.0 share-alike license. The music that you're now hearing is by Kevin McLeod of Income Tech, also released under a Creative Commons share-alike attribution license, which means you can use this show for any non-commercial purpose as long as you give us credit. All notes and anything else you'd want to find out about Reading Radio can be found at reading-radio.com. If you head over there, you can subscribe to this podcast as well as join our Facebook group where you can contribute to telling us what books we should read. Because Reading Radio is all about bringing families and friends together through a mutual love of young adult literature. And we'd love for you to join us. Happy reading.